want to be strong, to have the flexibility and confidence to play soccer with my kids or volleyball on the beach. I want to feel energetic and spontaneous with my husband. I want my body to feel the freedom to move and enjoy life, to hike Yosemite, surf in Hawaii, bike to the beach, to have fun with friends and not be limited. I want to do things that love my body, to feel and experience all the sensations of life. I want my body to be a force in nature that overcomes difficulty and resistance. I believe in health and wellness and daily consistent exercise. Welcome to the Balanced by Beth podcast. I'm really excited about this one because I have my good friend Ron Kochevar here with me. Hello, Ron. Hello. (laughs) Ron is someone I have worked with over the past 12 years, and I have learned a lot from him. And I'm excited to have him here and to learn a little bit more about him. He's a doctor of physical therapy. He is also a board-certified orthopedic clinical specialist as well as a geriatric clinical specialist. He is a yoga... Alliance registered yoga teacher and also a shamanic energy medicine practitioner. He has a concierge physical therapy practice in Los Angeles and currently teaches at the university in Puerto Rico as well as residency for Kaiser Permanente. And he, at Loma Linda. And at Loma Linda. I missed that one. Thank you. <laughs> so couple things we're going to talk about today, but one thing as I think about Ron is his persistence in life. And I think he has persevered quite a few things, and I would like to talk about that. So Ron, on your Instagram page, you have Limit Pusher and Boundary Tester. So with all these certifications and degrees and becoming a shamanic energy medicine practitioner. Tell me a little about about this journey for you. Wow. How much time do we have? A lot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, limit pusher, boundary tester. Yeah, I remember putting those on there. You know, my... I think my life is kind of lived day to day on this axiom of it's better to ask forgiveness than permission. Hmm. I just kind of do. Um, and the only real formula that's behind that is staying curious and okay. staying enthusiastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I've fortunately only a few times in my life been sort of lulled into this path of doing something for means that were other than what I really wanted, you know, chasing money rather than chasing a dream. Mm-hmm. And, but for the most part, there's been a willingness to listen to something that was inside of me mm-hmm. and, uh, and then somehow gathering up the, uh, the strength to take an action in that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I think, is just like a muscle. You know, the more it gets trained, the easier it is to do. Mm-hmm. And I've become convinced that we all have that voice. And, you know, we may have to start small if we've been ignoring it for quite some time, but it's there nonetheless. It's feeding us direction. It's feeding us instruction. Mm-hmm. And um, tied to it 
I believe, is our talent, hmm. our the real tendency or the genius that we came in with. And, you know, all too often we ignore that, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. When would you say you first woke up to this? I mean, is there a time in your life that you feel like you started listening to your I think there's been many. Self? Um, the, uh, probably the first time was when I was, when I was young, my mother told me that I had to play a musical instrument or I had to do something musically Mm -hmm. as long as I lived under her roof. My life could be my own once I moved out. And so she said, you you need to find something. And, uh, And so I did. But coming along with playing a musical instrument instrument meant at some point you're going to have to get on stage. Mm. You're going to have to perform. And since it wasn't a choice, I was forced to step up and get in front of people. Um, was that helpful for you? Would you say your mom having you do oh, that? Oh, extremely helpful. Okay. Um, you know, it's interesting because in the day and age we live in, um, and I'm a parent, mm-hmm. and my, my daughter is graduating from high school this year. Um, in the day and age we live in, parents are very reticent, if not unwilling, to impose their, their will or make rules or provide some sort of boundary or discipline mm-hmm. for their kids. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, very rarely do I hear parents nowadays say, no, this is what you're going to do. And you're going to do it once. If you don't want to do it after that, that's fine. But you're going to try it one time. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that was extremely helpful, Mm -hmm. actually. Because number one, it got me off the couch. um, And it forced me to do a lot of things that I may have never done. And it helped me discover myself. (laughs) I mean, I owe all of that to my mom. And, you know. And subsequently, that's the way I parent. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I've laid down a lot of those laws yeah, for my daughter. Yeah, I think it's great. No, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. That's really insightful and helpful because a lot of times I would say some people blame their parents for this, that, or the other thing so that you could view that as, no, this really helped me become who I am today. And Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So what, if, what would you say motivates you to keep – at it. I mean, your degrees, your special, your special, your specialties, you in life, I mean, you, it's almost like you wanted something and you just went for it. What? Uh, like I said before, curiosity. Okay. Um, somewhere along the line, and I don't remember where that was, um, I figured out that ans- asking better questions was much more interesting than having the answers when people asked questions. I mean, it's always nice when, you know, people come come to you for something and you can, they come to you with a problem, you can fix the problem. Great. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, being able to ask better questions, be able, being able to answer a question with a question so that that person can then become empowered. Mm-hmm. They figure out their own answers. You know, how many times have we 
sat with somebody who comes to us with something, and if we just keep our mouth shut, they talk themselves into the solution, right? That's right. My, uh, you know, my, I think the best teachers are the ones that so subtly slip their message in that the student thinks that they came up with the answer on their own. Mm-hmm. And that was certainly the message that I got from my family, from my grandparents, um, from my mom, um, and from all the teachers that I've had. And I've had a long, you know, a long line of, of really good teachers. That's great. You've also sought that. You've that, sought out good teachers. Right. I think, yeah. you know, I think we naturally seek out what makes us feel better, mm-hmm. right? Now that can, that can trickle off into a lot of imbalance, and that certainly happened in my life. Um, you know, I was, uh, I was a drug addict and an alcoholic in high school when, and for many years after that, I, uh, I got clean and sober when I was 25 years old, and I spent 25 years in a recovery program. Mm-hmm. Um, and which I am, which I have now kind of parted ways with, but that was the basis of so much learning. Yeah. It opened so many doors, it stabilized so many things, it leveled a playing field and allowed me to grow. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, I think when we find something that we resonate with, mm-hmm. there's a natural tendency to do more of that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that's why we do, I think in an ideal world, that's why we would do anything. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, But I can say I personally have learned quite a bit from you in the field of physical therapy because of your ability to ask good questions. And I feel like you do push the limits regularly (laughs) (laughs) with a lot of people you know and that's true that you're not satisfied with just an easy answer you want to go deeper you want to look like i said it's better to ask forgiveness than permission yeah clearly you live that way (laughs) but no i think we are all better you know in our clinic because of your ability to keep learning keep at it keep motivated to be taught by really good teachers so i just want to thank you for that wow Well, thank you. Yes. So with all of your degrees and specialties, I do want to talk about an injury because I think that's helpful Mm -hmm. for people to know that we are human, even though we Mm -hmm. have all this knowledge and we still live in a body. Right. And I would love to hear kind of how kind of the accumulation of all your training has helped you personally work through an injury and work through some pain. So would you share with us a story? Sure. Thanks. Um, let's see. My physical body is definitely evidence of a misspent youth. Mm, okay. <laughs> I, have got, uh, I have a number of sort of orthopedic injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, and what got one of the things that got me into the field to begin with was I dislocated my knee. When I was young, I was 20. The second time I did it, I was 23 years old. I was wakeboarding. And uh, I went in and saw a physician. Uh, it was an orthopedic surgeon. And that doctor told me that I couldn't bend my knee for a year. I shouldn't bend my knee for a year. 
Wow. And okay. I was amazed and astonished that a physician, a doctor, would tell somebody that. And uh, I was like, well, that is completely unacceptable. And I decided to... So pushing the limits. Yeah, so I decided (laughs) to see if I could do something about it. Good for you. And I didn't even know it at the time that, that I was rehabbing myself. But I made a decision that that was unacceptable. Mm-hmm. And I moved forward from there, um, and it didn't take a year before I could, yeah. you know, before I could get back into uh, my life. Mm-hmm. Um, subsequently, um, yeah, I've got uh, got a few things. Um, I've got eight disc bulges, three three vertebral fractures, um, and. Interestingly, once you, once when those things have flared up in the past to the point where I couldn't walk or couldn't you know couldn't stand could barely even roll in bed, um, yeah, to, you know the first step in emergency medicine is to stop the bleeding, right? Mm-hmm. So <laughs> get some pain right. medication. Yes. Um, but once that once the pain was you know manageable to the point that I could move, then yeah, I had you know. 13 years of school and 13, you know, 13, 14 years of treating patients to fall back on and be like, mm-hmm. what, do, what do I tell these people to do? Yeah. Um, and I had to take my own medicine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's interesting. You know, I mean, you're a clinician. Mm-hmm. It's sometimes hard really to hard. do the things that we tell our patients to do. Mm-hmm. But we see that they work mm-hmm. when we work with people. Yep. And, uh, and I had to trust that those things were going to work with mm-hmm. me. And I put those things into effect. And, you know, despite all of those, you know, sort of orthopedic things that are wrong, mm-hmm. um, I'm at the gym six days a week. Mm-hmm. You know, I still run. I still practice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I still jump off of mountains and I still <laughs> dive. And, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's... Uh, when, when did this happen? When did you receive this diagnosis? Well, like I said, that was kind of a, it was multiple things. Oh, I see. You know, okay. Over the, you know, over the, the last one was only a few years ago. Okay. In the clinic. Okay. Um, and I had a patient, I was working with a stroke patient. It's a big guy, a couple hundred pounds. Um, and he, there was, he, there wasn't a lot of willingness, right? So I was, I think I was pushing him beyond what he was willing to do. Mm-hmm in an effort to show him that he could do more than he could do. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, as he succeeded, he did better. But the minute that he failed at anything, he would sort of give up. And mm-hmm. uh, and he decided to just give up and just drop. And, um, and when he dropped, he threw his arm around my neck. And I had to grab him to keep him from hitting the ground. And I heard a pop in my back. And uh, that was the third vertebral fracture. <laughs> So, what did that feel like? That sucked. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. There was uh, the feeling, the physical feeling wasn't the worst part. It was the the immediate sort of diagnostic mm. um, uh, um, run through that happened in my nervous system that I was like, wait a minute, am I still here? Am, right. Can I, can, move, do, my can I move my fingers? Finger. I'm not. 
wetting myself. Like, am I still standing? Mm -hmm. Um, But the real pain came probably the next day and then subsequently for a couple of months. And then there Mm -hmm. was a, I had a worker's comp case that was opened. And because I was, I mean, I was was kind of a mess. Yeah. Um, But again, the, you know, the, the things that we practice and that we work with with our patients mm-hmm. and clients on mm-hmm. a daily basis, those are the things that I had to resort to because those are, you know, those are some of the, the most effective tools in my box. Mm-hmm. So tell me about this because I think a lot of people think they are their diagnosis. And mm. can you tell us a little bit about that? Because you clearly are not your diagnosis because mm-hmm. you are very active and you're not thinking about this all the time. But mm-hmm. just to give us a little glimpse of that concept of we're not our diagnosis. Sure. You know, I think in general, probably the biggest addiction that we all have is our identity. Whatever roles it is that we play, whatever um, whether we've taken them on or not, whether they've been assigned to us, um, whatever diagnoses we've been handed. I mean, there's a lot of power in those things. Um, and letting go of those diagnoses, we're not taught to do that. There's, there's nothing in our culture that teaches us to sort of put the cart before the horse or to look with, you know, to leap without looking, right? That we're not, we're not taught to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, But what happens when we decide that a diagnosis is ours is that it then ingrains itself in our subconscious and it goes to work Mm -hmm. and it becomes unconscious. And, um, we not only do we start to take actions that are associated with that diagnosis, but we also start to have beliefs that go along with that. And those beliefs create emotions and those emotions change, you know, the neurochemical cocktails in our, in our nervous system. And it doesn't take very long before our own brain, our own nervous system has decided that that diagnosis is us. It is our identity. So breaking free from that and letting go of that, uh, you know, unless we get struck by lightning, mm-hmm. um, involves some involves some work. So how would you help someone through that? Because we do. Uh, I mean, see... I think the I think the the solutions to that are as varied as the individuals that sit in front of us. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, some of my clinical teachers that I've, that I had in, in my fellowship programs, they were extremely helpful. You know, they were, they said, you know what, let go of this whole, let, let go of the, the examination, let go of the, the biomechanical, um, assessment of things and just sit and talk Mm -hmm. to the person that's sitting in front of you and climb inside their head, right? You got to figure out what makes people tick. Right. And you need to be able to speak to them on, you know, on sort of a human level, because if you don't have a rapport with somebody, it's not going to matter what you do to them or for them, because Mm -hmm. they're going to continue to hold on to the same story. Mm -hmm. Um, 
what did Teddy Roosevelt say? Nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the first part of it, especially when somebody comes in, speaking from a clinician standpoint, if somebody comes in and they have had a chronic problem, you know, chronicity, the time we've spent doing something or deciding that we are something um, or that we have something or that a particular particular diagnosis is now ours as opposed to just a thing, the time is a critical component to that. The longer it hangs out, the more embedded in our nervous system it gets. So, you know, usually when you're, you know, you know, as a clinician, usually when when you recognize all the telltale signs of a chronic problem, you can kind of let let the rest of it go and just sit and talk to that person. Mm-hmm. How is this affecting you? What are you not doing because you can't do what you want to do? All right, what are you afraid of? And that's what starts the conversation. Right? And, you know, yeah, that's great if we can fix somebody's movement. It's great if we can do something to somebody and it temporarily gets rid of some pain. But if you don't, if you don't address the underlying cause, the thing that created the pain to begin with, then, you know, that person's just going to end up sitting right back in front of you again. Mm-hmm. And my, I guess my perspective of being, being in a, in a healing profession is why do I want people to keep coming back to me for the same thing? You know, my job should be to empower them so that they can heal themselves. That's right. I mean, the body wants to heal itself. Yes, it does. You know, Mm -hmm. but sometimes it needs some coaxing. Mm -hmm. It needs to be reminded that it can heal itself. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that's, you know, that's not necessarily something that I'm going to do to somebody. Right. That may simply just be the connection that we have when they come into the clinic. Well, I think you're a very good example for someone who has really sought out, again, good teachers. And I think for people that have decided they are their diagnosis, sometimes it's like, who do you trust? How do you find someone to walk through this path with you? And how many new patients I see every day that they've been tossed in the ringer it's like they've been in a washing machine and received all these different diagnoses so i'm just thinking of listeners who are maybe have decided they are their diagnosis and how 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 to help them find a trusted well the first thing right so the first the very first thing i'll tell those people is the first person you have to trust is yourself Mm, yeah you have to and if they come back with me well i don't know what to do or you're the expert. Why don't you tell me? No. Uh-uh. You tell me. What is it that you think you need? Mm-hmm. You know, you've got this chronic knee pain, this chronic back pain. What's it telling you? Mm-hmm. If somebody came to you, if your best friend came to you and said, I have this problem, and I don't want to go to a doctor, what would you tell them to do? You know? mm-hmm. And... You start opening up questions like that, yeah. and if people are willing to let down their guard, mm-hmm. they'll come. You know, they'll yeah. come around. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, yeah. I mean, I guess I could do this differently. I could, you know, I could do that differently. I could. You know, they, they'll come up with their own solutions, mm-hmm. and that starts to become a great place to uh, to begin. You know, a, I guess a quote unquote treatment. Mm-hmm. 
helping yeah. people listen to themselves, yeah. know what they need, yep. know when they need to take a break or push a little yeah. harder. Yeah. It's good. That's the thing. You know, I tell, pe- I yeah. tell people, you know, every, every patient wants to know. They always want to know sets and reps. Mm-hmm. How many of these do I need to do? Mm-hmm. And how many times a day and how many times a week? And I'm like, your body will tell you. And, you know, there, there is some science mm-hmm. behind that. But it's loose, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's their guidelines. The intuition you know? that we have. Right. To listen so to that. So I tell, you know, I tell people, if, you know, if you're, if you're working, you're, you're working on what I give you to do. If, you're, if it's your body that's telling you that you need to stop, then listen to it. Mm-hmm. But if it's your mind telling you that you need to stop, see if you can go a little longer. That's good. Right? Yeah, that's very good. Because it's the diagnosis. Mm-hmm. It's what every one of these other providers or practitioners or whatever, every healer that you've sought out, it's what they have told you. That's what is your mind is telling you. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, there may be some truth in it. Mm-hmm more than likely we've turned it into something other than what it is. Yeah. You know, your body doesn't lie. No, it doesn't. And pain is scary for a lot of people. There's, you know, a little pain and, you know, the body many times can shut down Mm -hmm. or, you know, be so afraid you don't want to move, which we know is the worst thing to do is to not move. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's only indicated for... You know, fracture, <laughs> right? Yeah, you know, for a very small amount of time. Very small. You know. So, what would you say has helped you in your rehabilitation? My when rehabilitation you have those moments of, of pain, or what helps you? The benefit. So, there's a light and a dark side to everything, right? So, mm-hmm. the benefit of having um, these sort of repetitive injuries or multiple injuries over time is that inevitably they crop up again and now i have experience of knowing that they pass that's good right that's right if it's the first time that somebody is that they've had a you know a major injury or major pain or something's gone wrong or it's the first time that their body isn't doing them what they you know what they want it to do um yeah then it can be then it can be pretty scary mm-hmm. but the prescription doesn't change right Right. The prescription's still the same. My questions are still the same. You know, what do you think is wrong? Mm-hmm. What do you think you need to do? I'm going to run through a very thorough evaluation. I'm going to give you things that I am certain are going to help you. But if that's not collaborative, mm-hmm. right, if I don't include the person that I'm working with in that decision making, then. I become either the savior, which I'm not interested in being, or I become the perpetrator because I've given them something that didn't work, Mm -hmm. right? And I'm not interested in either one of those roles, Mm -mm. you know? Yeah. We're here. We, you know, we learn from each other. I have a particular skill set and I'm very good at it, Mm -hmm. right? But I also have limitations. Right. And, you know, the patient's body or my client's body is going to be the best testing ground. Mm-hmm. for uh, anything that we decide to move forward with together. Yeah. No, that's good. Thank you for sharing about your personal body injuries, mm-hmm. what you've been able to really persist 
through, persevere through, and just mm-hmm. how much you've learned. So thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. So a couple more questions I have. Um, what does wellness mean to you? What does health and wellness, how would you define that? Health and wellness. Um, in a word, I would say balance. Okay. Um, I mean, really, to me, that's that's life. Um you know, we can't we can't know light without dark. We can't know um, joy without pain. You know, there's there's always a balance. Mm-hmm. So there's no one perfect thing. Right? Things have to work along with each other. Um, shamanically, um, if you know, from working with you know with a, a medicine wheel and medicine wheels are are typically divided into directions and those each of those directions have got particular attributes they've got particular spiritual tenets they've got particular um archetypes they've got got, there's a lot of things that are particular to a, a direction right and taken as a whole if we walk that path it leads to a transformation and so if we hang out in one direction too long we get, we throw the whole wheel out of balance if i hang out in anything in life too long it throws things out of balance if i'm too focused on the physical if i'm too focused on being grounded and i don't and i'm not allowing the sort of the mythology that lives in our subconscious if i'm not allowing myself to really dream if i'm not allowing myself to express myself um, spiritually, if I'm not in a headspace where I'm listening to something other than myself, then I throw myself out of balance. But consequently, if I spend all my time, you know, up in the ethers, you know, just living this sort of um, good vibes only lifestyle, mm-hmm. right? And and everything is about, you know, this sort of ethereal connection to everything and nothing. And my boots are never on the ground. Mm-hmm. It creates an imbalance. Um, so wellness, I think, is about restoring balance. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think balance is balance, wellness, um, health. All those those things. Those are the kind of things whose whose uh, center is everywhere and whose circumference or is nowhere. Yeah. You know. It, so what practices, what daily practices would you say help you stay healthy, well, balanced? My physical practices, I get up every morning at 4.30. Okay. Regardless of whether or not I have to work. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, a, you know, I get up, I big, drink a big glass of lemon water. Mm-hmm. I have a cup of coffee. Okay. I read. Mm-hmm. I meditate. Mm-hmm. I write. Mm-hmm. I go to the gym. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes, you know, those things get, you know, they get rearranged. But that those things are part of my day. Those are the things that keep me connected sort of to myself. Um, and then, and I've been lucky because I've been, you know, I've been on a sort of a path for a long time. I have a lot of evidence that shows that if I pay attention to 
that voice or those instructions or whatever, whatever it is that sort of lights me up inside, mm-hmm. if I pay attention to that and then follow it, I'm in a much better place at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. It's easier to look in the mirror. I sleep better. Um, and the times when I decide that that's not what I want to do, mm-hmm. then I don't sleep as well. Yeah. You know? I don't good. connect as easily to other people. But, um, but I try to keep my practices. I do something every day that involves my physical body. Mm-hmm. I do something every day that engages my mind. Mm-hmm. I do something every day that engages my soul, that sort of the mythology that's in us, Mm -hmm. whether that's writing, creating, art, music, um, poetry. And I do something every day to connect to spirit. Mm -hmm. Those are are sort of the cardinal directions of that medicine wheel. Yeah. You know? whether we work from a top-down model or a bottom-up model or we mix and match those things, the balance of paying a little bit of attention to that consciously mm-hmm. in each one of those things every day changes us. Yeah. And it changes us not for reasons that we can explain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, huh? that's right. Yeah, thank you for sharing about how you listen to yourself. I feel like that is a message that really a lot of people could hear because I do feel like people you know feel like they need to listen to the expert more or they need to read more or learn more and you know we we do believe in that and clearly that has Mm -hmm. led you really well following teachers listening Mm -hmm. I mean all your degrees and specialties I mean it's to be admired to be honest it's really fantastic but I think what I hear you saying is even above all that listening to yourself and be able to follow your heart and follow your passion. Mm-hmm. I And I hear you saying that that's how you like to help your clients, patients, is to hear their inner inner voice and to that you help them do that. Right. Um, more than uh, listening to you. I mean, you, you really want them to hear themselves, and I just appreciate that. Right. And you got to seek out the right that. experts, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I don't know a thing in the world about plumbing. Right. <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm, you know, I'm not going to wish that uh, my plumbing is going to get, that my sink is going to unclog itself. Now I can, I can pull the garbage disposal off, mm-hmm. check and see if it's clogged. Mm-hmm. But that is about the extent of my plumbing, plumbing mm-hmm. knowledge. Mm-hmm. So my inner voice is very simply saying, why don't you call a plumber? Yeah. Right. Good. Mm-hmm. Um, so Yes. I think there's, I think we have to listen to that. We have to seek out those who have strengths that mm-hmm. are other than our own. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, we're the one left making the decision. Well, am I really, am I going to do that? This plumber said it was going to be $500. Eh, I think I can fix it on my own. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that can happen. The likelihood is that I'm probably going to make a bigger mess of things. Mm-hmm. Right. So, but that's part of the balance, right? When right. do I listen? When do I take my own advice? Mm-hmm. And when do I take the advice of another? And is there really a delineated line between those two things? Yeah. You know, 
but that's the dance. Right. <laughs> yeah. Every day we make those decisions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How much do I listen? How much do I act on it? Yeah. You know, um, it requires being pretty present mm -hmm. and it requires being pretty mindful. Um, and again, that stuff's just like a muscle. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing your life with us today. And thank you for coming on this podcast. I really feel like I learned again from you like I usually do. But I really just thank you for being so open and vulnerable with your stories and how these years of education. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have a lot of wisdom and I appreciate that you're so willing to share and be a part of this. So thank you for joining this episode. Well, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate being here. You're welcome. All right. <laughs> Balanced by Beth is a podcast to inspire women to live strong. The information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not be used as personal medical advice. 